You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. I wish I had button eyes and a red felt nose Shaggy cotton skin and just one set of clothes Sitting on a shelf in a local department store With no dreams to dream and nothing to be sorry for I wish I was a teddy bear Not living or loving or going nowhere Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am not an animal expert either. Today we are talking about the black bear. Yes, but first, (laughs) the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. In December 2017, California had the largest wildfire in that state's history, and two female black bears were rescued, but they had very, very badly burned paws. So veterinarians initially thought that the bear's paws would take up to six months to heal, and that was way too long to keep them in captivity because one of those bears was pregnant. So instead, both bears made full recoveries and were released into the wild within just a few weeks thanks to a fish called a tilapia. Most of the time on wild animals, when they get injured, veterinarians can't use regular bandages on them because they'll just chew the bandages right off and they'll, they'll sometimes eat them. So veterinarians at UC Davis decided to try wrapping the bear's paws in tilapia skin because tilapia skin contains a high amount of collagen, which seems to speed the healing process and provide a little relief for their pain. The reason the bears didn't eat the fish skin was because the skins were dried and they were wrapped in corn husks or rice paper, so they didn't smell fishy anymore, and it was providing pain relief, so it's likely that the bears noticed that, and so they just didn't bother. They just left it alone. Right. There seems to be several benefits to using tilapia skin as a biological bandage for injured wildlife and people. So far, only the UC Davis Veterinary Teaching Hospital is the... They're the only animal hospital treating wildlife burns this way. Uh, As far as the bears, they were released in a spot where scientists made sure that there were supplies for den building near their release point, so in roughly the same location, and they're monitoring the area, and they're monitoring the bears, and they seem to be doing okay. Oh, good. Yeah, that was a really cool little story. Aww. Poor little bears. They're actually looking at that tilapia skin to possibly help human burn victims, because it worked so well on on the bears and on other animals. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the way science goes. It's always like, oh, that's neat. 
<laughs> it's never Eureka. It's always, oh, what do you know about that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is amazing. So good news. Very much so. Thank yeah. you for that. Hey, just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at varmanspodcast, all one word, and at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? Because we're everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow, for sure. Also, we have a Pinterest board that I put up pictures of the animal we're talking about that week, and you can find the link to that at the bottom of our show notes for each episode. So, what do you say? Should we go learn about black bears? The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about the American black bear today. The American black bear, or Ursus americanus, is a medium-sized bear which is native to North America. It is the continent's most widely distributed bear species. It's estimated that there are twice as many black bears than all other bear species combined in the world. That's how many of them there are. Wow. Since their range is so large, black bears live as far north as just the edge of the Arctic Circle and as far south as central Mexico. There are 16 subspecies of black bear, which all have adapted to their environment over time, and so there are slight variations in size and fur color, which Donna's going to talk about. Uh, Even skull size and tooth size can vary between these bears. But all of these bears are reproductively compatible. Wherever the subspecies' territories sometimes overlap, they can actually produce hybrid black bears. In general, black bears have broad skulls with narrow muzzles, large rounded bodies. They're a big old bear. I think you know what they look like, what a bear looks like. (laughs) Uh, Black bears do follow Bergman's rule, which we've talked about a few times before. Bergman's rule states that within a clade, which is a group of animals with a common ancestor, and bears happen to be that, the colder the climate, the larger the animal. So... The size varies greatly, so adult males typically weigh between 57 and 250 kilograms, or 126 to 551 pounds, just depending on where they live. (sighs) And females weigh a little bit less. They're 41 to 170 kilograms, which is anywhere between 90 and 375 pounds. So they can get pretty big. They are big animals, for sure. If you've ever been near one, they're not small. (laughs) No, and I'm terrified of bears are you yeah i kind of am as well and i i know how to behave around them and we'll talk about that later but uh but they they can be scary so yeah (laughs) yeah males are called boars females are called sows baby bears are called cubs of course and it comes from the old english word bera which just means bear yes you are technically correct the best kind of correct So people might get kind of confused about what a black bear looks like as far as their coloration is concerned, so I'm going to clear that up for you. People get confused because if they see a brown bear, they automatically think it's a grizzly bear, and quite often it's not. Here in the West, it's um, it's it's a, a black bear. But black bears are just called black bears. 
they actually have several colors, a range of colors. They can come in more colors than any other North American animal. They can be black, brown, cinnamon, blonde, blue, gray, or white. And there's a picture that I'm going to put in the show notes of a brown sow with her little blonde cub. So they can even, they, they can sort of vary even within the same family. Generally, variation in color has to do with their environment. A lighter color is more common in black bears in the western states, like here in Colorado, because the lighter shades help them blend in better in open meadows, and it reduces heat stress. It gets pretty hot here in the summer. So, In the northeast, about 97% of the black bears are black in color, whereas half of the black bears in the west are shades of brown. So you're going to have that that differentiation. And I'm going to also put some pictures up of these bears, which are called spirit bears. So spirit bears, you'll see in the Northwest, they they are black bears, but they have these sort of all white or creamy colored coats. They're not quite an albino because you'll see little shades of that, that cinnamony red at their shoulders and things like that. They just have a recessive gene that's unique to that subspecies. And about one-tenth of all black bears in the subspecies have this color of fur. They're called spirit bears because of their spiritual importance to the northwestern Native American tribes up there. And they're pretty neat. I'm going to put some pictures up. They are beautiful, beautiful bears. And only around one in one million black bears has a white coat, so the population of these bears is pretty special. There's only around one or 200 of them in existence (laughs) at any given time, and primarily because of habitat loss, it's sort of starting to disappear, so they need to have some extra protections put on them. But yeah, so their colors have to do with where they live, not, not what they eat, not what the season is, nothing. It all pretty much just has to do with their general environment. Very cool. Yeah. Our black bears down here are black. They are yeah. very, very, very dark brown. That makes sense because of where the Everglades and stuff, they could probably blend in pretty well in that in that environment. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. For sure. Neat. Yeah. The one adaptation that separates black bears from brown bears and polar bears is their claws. Now, of course, brown bears and polar bears have claws but they've adapted those more for the climates that they live in and the things that they eat. We did a show about polar bears a while ago that you can go back and listen to, and Donna talked about how wonderful their paws and claws are, and we will definitely do a show about brown bears in the future because they're really cool. Yeah. But black bears are the tree climbingest bears you will ever see. They are big time climbing in the trees. And it's because they're claws. They have long, curved claws that help them to grasp the tree and, and climb up there to reach nuts and seeds and leaves. They can use those claws to rip open logs and insect mounds. They can go up the tree to find a place to rest or escape from predators. By the way, you might not think of a black bear having predators, but definitely bobcats, coyotes, cougars, wolves, brown bears, and either other bla- even other black bears are a danger to the black bear. Uh, particularly the cubs. The cubs are pretty vulnerable. Yes. Like humans, black bears have plantigrade feet. And what that means is that the structure of the foot allows that species to place their entire foot on the ground during while walking, which improves balance. And this broad base of support allows humans and black bears to easily walk upright, so they will get on their hind legs and, and walk around, and that 
uh, allows them to improve their ability to see and hear. It allows them to claw tree trunks or start climbing the tree or even fence posts, maybe, or to display aggression against other bears. Right. Normally, the downside of having plantigrade feet is that the animals that have them are usually slower moving. If you think of animals like gazelles or very or cheetahs, very fast animals like that, very often they do not have plantigrade feet. They're running actually on their tiptoes sometimes. They have springy feet. Springy Boy-y feet. feet. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> well, the black bear is not slow. The black bear can run in bursts of up to 35 miles an hour. Yeah. To put that in perspective, Usain Bolt, who is regarded as the fastest man in the world, has been clocked at 28 miles per hour. Yep. And when they get up to a tree, when they're, when they're running that fast and they get to a tree, they don't slow down. No. <laughs> no. An adult black bear can scale a tree almost as fast as a squirrel. Yep. And scientists have even observed that black bears seem more confident and more comfortable and more willing to take risks and and be aggressive when they are in a tree than when they are on the land. That's how comfortable they are up there. Huh. I sent you a little animated gif of a bear scaling a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's it's unbelievable how fast they can get up there. No, I believe it. I've, I've yeah. seen a lot of black bear activity in my life because I'm, you know, I'm from Colorado and my relatives are all from Montana, so I've seen quite a few black bears in the wild from a distance from a distance (laughs) (laughs) so i believe it all right well it's disclaimer time the varmints podcast knows that it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by so we're gonna do it anyway yeah well you know that's just like uh your opinion man Bears are pretty smart. I was yeah. kind of surprised. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've had more exposure to bears than I have. Yeah, I mean, more than I would like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was really surprised to, to learn how smart bears actually are. They're almost primate intelligence from what I read. They are. They are super. I'm just going to, before you get into what you're going to talk about with this topic, I just want to remind people that park services have to redesign trash cans every couple of seasons or so because the bears (laughs) learn how to pop the locks and get into them Yeah. every time. So you wouldn't have to do that with an animal. It's not just persistence. They sit there and they figure it out, you know. So Right. Mm Mm-hmm. That was kind of the biggest thing for me this week was learning about how intelligent they actually are. But yeah, now that you now that you mentioned that, I do at the state parks around here notice that the trash cans are very elaborate. And I thought it was because of I thought it was for raccoons, honestly, because rac- raccoons have those creepy little hands with thumbs and stuff, you know. <laughs> it might serve to keep them out as well, I would imagine, but uh, they do it for the bears around here. So, huh? Yeah, bears are like. Uh, I can get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a season. Yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> What'd you give him on a scale of one to ten? I think, you know, seven, eight, up there somewhere. They're really good at problem solving. Yeah, I so. give him a seven. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, seven for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are going to talk about black bears and pop culture and a couple of other things, but we are going to do that right after this. Hi, this is Emily Prokop from The Story Behind. 
which is a podcast about the extraordinary history behind the ordinary. What does that mean? It means whenever my ADHD gets the best of me, I begin to wonder the stories behind everyday objects. This is the story behind sporks, behind chewing gum, behind hoodies, places. This is the story behind Mount Rushmore. This is the story behind speakeasies or people. This is the story behind Uncle Sam. This is the story behind Betty White. Everything has a backstory, and from what I've noticed from doing the show, not everything is as plain and simple as history books may have you believe. Join me Mondays and Thursdays on your favorite podcast app or at thestorybehindpodcast.com. And thanks for listening. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know what, Donna and I, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games, and toys. Today I'm going to do a toy that everybody knows, and it began in November of 1902. And that was when President Theodore Roosevelt was on a bear hunting trip near Onward, Mississippi. He had been invited by the governor of Mississippi. And unlike the other hunters in the group, after three days of hunting, the president had not located a single black bear. But Roosevelt's assistants cornered and tied a black bear to a willow tree. And it got really beat up in the process. So because, of of course, it's going to fight back. It killed one of the hunting dogs. And by the time they tied the bear to the tree, like I said, it it was in really rough shape. So they got President Roosevelt over and they suggested that he shoot the bear so that he could have something to show for his hunting trip. Viewing this as extremely unsportsmanlike. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like something that Roosevelt would object to. He'd be like, bah! (laughs) Yeah, he did not want to shoot that bear. He did order that somebody put the bear out of its misery because it was in that bad of shape. Mm. But he did not shoot the bear. Mm Mm-hmm. The news of this event spread quickly through newspaper articles across the country. And I mean quickly, for a time that didn't have internet. It was a couple of days, and it got from the forest to the newspaper. The articles recounted the story of the president who refused to shoot a bear. However, it was not just any president. Like you said, it was Theodore Roosevelt, the big game hunter, the the manly man. So a political cartoonist by the name of Clifford Berryman read the article, and he decided to kind of lightheartedly lampoon the president's refusal to shoot this bear. Berryman's cartoon appeared in the Washington Post, like I said, two days later on November 16th, 1902, and a Brooklyn candy shop owner by the name of Morris Mictum saw that cartoon, and it gave him an idea. So he and his wife, Rose, were also makers of stuffed animals. And Mictum decided to create a stuffed toy bear and dedicate it to the president who refused to shoot a bear. And he called it Teddy's Bear. So he asked Roosevelt's permission to use his name. The president said yes. And Mictum mass-produced the toy bears, which were so popular that he soon founded the Ideal Toy Company, which stuck around quite a while. In fact, it's the toy company that eventually brought us the Rubik's Cube. That's how hmm. long it stuck around. Are they still in business, Ideal? No, they got bought, and then the people that bought them got bought, and they got sort of, I think, absorbed into, I want to say Mattel or Hasbro, but I'm hmm. not sure. That makes sense. The big ones. Yeah. Yep. Do you still have your teddy bear? 
I bought a teddy bear for my wife when we were dating because she was in a uh, car accident. Oh. And I think we still have it. I think it's still around here. That is so cool. You're the sweetest <laughs> person. <laughs> Do you have your childhood teddy bear? I did not have a teddy bear growing up. I had a, <laughs> I had a stuffed snake that my mother uh, made for me. Oh, I love that. A big that. old python named Rodney. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I've got mine. You do? Yeah, I was given it as a present um, on Easter of 1976. The Easter Bunny And you still it. have it. I still have it, yeah. It's sitting on the shelf in my bedroom right above my head right now. So. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, you have Teddy Roosevelt to thank. I uncreatively named him Teddy, so. <laughs> I was seven. Give me a break, you know. <laughs> All right, so do you remember Gentle Ben? Gentle Ben, the TV show? Vaguely. I vaguely yeah. remember Gentle Ben. So Gentle Ben started as a 1965 children's novel by a guy called Walt Morey. And uh, he wrote a book based on his past experiences working and traveling in Alaska. He said that many of the book's characters were based on real Alaskan people. And... According to him, the concept of a boy's friendship with an Alaskan brown bear, in the book it was a grizzly bear, was also taken from real life, and that such interactions between humans and bears are not unusual in Alaska. I think he's probably incorrect about that, but that was his impression. <laughs> so that's how it started out. It, it premiered September 10th in 1967 and ran until August 31st, 1969, and it had 58 episodes in two seasons, and it chronicled the adventures of a young Mark Wedlow, played by Clint Howard, and his lovable 650 to 750 pound black bear named Ben. Oh they boy. used a, yeah, they used a black bear in the TV series, presumably because they're actually a little more trainable and easier to work with than grizzlies. So. Basically, it was just about a kid, and if you take, like, Lassie and make it a bear, that's pretty much what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> ben? 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 <laughs> I have a trailer here, but I don't know if it's for the movie or for the TV show. Oh, dear. Florida Everglades. Wild and beautiful. Mysterious wilderness. Where adventure is tracked each week by a little boy and a great black bear called Gentle Ben. Yeah. Did you meet a little girl out here in the woods today? She's lost out there, and you're the only one that's seen her. You just gotta find her. Here is big excitement and thrilling action, filled with all the wonders of the great outdoors. A totally new experience in television entertainment. Starring Dennis Weaver, Clint Howard, and Beth Brickell. Join them on the exciting frontier of the Florida Everglades as they face the challenge of a primitive land threatened by man and nature. Breathtaking, startling, alive with danger and suspense. Gentle Ben, a new way to say adventure. A new way to say adventure. <laughs> ben? 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 Boy, that accent. <laughs> okay. So a primitive land threatened by humans and nature, which is yeah. kind of where I have a problem because primitive land kind of is nature. Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of part of the deal. I don't think the primitive land is threatened by nature. I think it's just sort of there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's mostly Pretty much. us. I mean, I can sort of see what he's talking about because, I mean, nature is, you know, storms and 
how it reacts to pollution and stuff like that. But yeah, it doesn't. It's just not very well written, is it? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they tried to jazz it up. They tried to make it sound interesting and entertaining and and uh, uh, adventurous. Ooh, it's adventure. Adventure. So the bears they used in the TV series were from an animal ranch called Ralph Heffler's Africa USA Animal Ranch. The bear, uh, the main bear that was in General Ben was called Bruno, and there were other bears as well. They were obtained from Canada or near the Canadian U.S. border because of their coats were more thick and photogenic than the ones in mm-hmm. uh, Florida. <laughs> so. <laughs> but sadly, they were all declawed and had most of their teeth removed to work on television. Oh, no. It's terrible. Really awful. Oh, yeah, that's not good. There were four bears that were used to portray Ben, with other sources naming or listing additional bears who might have been used in scenes as stand-in bears and sequences that involve bear cubs and stuff like that. So, Bruno was the favorite of the bear actors because of his good disposition, broad range of behaviors, facial expressions, and ability to work with children. They also had a bear called Buck, who closely resembled Bruno, but was a slightly smaller, younger, and more agile bear, and he was used in scenes requiring a bear that ran. So interesting. According to the actor Clint Howard, Bruno the Bear and Buck the Bear together did approximately seventy-five percent of the bear acting work. So, yeah, there was a there was a whole bunch of them. There was one called Drum that was in scenes requiring the bear to enter water, and they actually this is horrible. They would never be allowed to do this today. His coat was brown, but it had to be spray painted to match the black coats of the oh, other no. bears playing Ben. Oh it was no! Absolutely awful! Like what is no. wrong with you people? It was ter- oh, terrible! No. Terrible! So <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a. <sighs> this stuff just makes me crazy sometimes. I'm like, really? Like what is wrong with us? Ugh, terrible! <laughs> terrible! So. Oh, this episode of Gentle Ben brought to you by Krylon. <laughs> <laughs> and cruelty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was they weren't uh, they weren't too strict about it back then. And even in the no. trailer, it shows like a bear fight, fighting a, a, a Florida panther or a mountain lion. Yeah, and I don't know if that was staged or, or what the deal with that. I'm was, sure it was probably just trained yeah. animals, but I mean, yeah, yeah, really bad. Several people involved with the series confirmed that the bears used in production were sometimes ill-tempered or did not behave as expected. Really? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See how happy you are if somebody removes your teeth, removes your claws, and spray paints you. Yeah. I think I'd be kind of annoyed myself, really. A little little peeved. (laughs) So the reception to it was that it was a hit and it actually made number two in the Nielsen ratings during its first season. And uh, there were all sorts of like spin-offs and tie-ins and stuff that happened, but it it uh, the second season failed consistently to make the top twenty, and then it was canceled. So yep, it had a pretty pretty short lifespan compared to other shows. But there was a controversy even back then in the portrayal of bears. So they the show was praised for promoting respect for nature and family values but it also drew criticism for its unrealistic portrayal of a wild bear's interaction with humans and some critics noted that the show premiered only a few weeks after the well-publicized glacier national park montana 
fatal grizzly bear attacks of 1967. Oh my goodness. When two female campers were killed by grizzlies in separate incidents and locations on the same night. And when it debuted, a magazine called PTA Magazine complain that for years there have been warnings to children and adults against feeding and playing with bears and how CBS could permit a program with a black bear for a pet and not a cub, but a giant adult bear is beyond our comprehension. And in 1971, John Hast, the chief National Park Service officer, stated that the television series Gentle Ben was the worst thing that ever happened to us. People saw this big level of the bear on television and when they see a bear in the park, I guess they think it's the same one. They don't realize how long wrong they are until they're bleeding. Oh, jeez. So, Sweden <laughs> refused to broadcast the show due to concerns that children would try to play and interact with the wild bears that are indigenous to that country. So, like, all over, I think I have to judge Gentle Ben as a bad idea. Bad idea. Too soon and bad. Just... <laughs> I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's childhood, like... Feelsies, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I, I hate to do that, but gosh, it, it is important to look back and go, Ooh, that was a terrible thing to do. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. All so, right, let's do this. Yeah. Here's some jokey food and drink items which I've acquired recently. Each of them, I suppose, would go on a table or in the kitchen. Have you ever eaten bear? I have. It's gross. Is it really? Yeah, it's greasy. Greasy? So, yeah. Ugh. It's nasty. Huh. What is it? I mean, does it taste like anything? It tastes like stringy, greasy, gamey, smelly, gross. Yuck. It's not good. Wow. Well, uh, that's just my opinion, yeah. man. So. Boy. <laughs> I mean, I've, <laughs> I've been told, you know, and I think I've even said it myself every once in a while, you know, oh, bear meat jerky is not too bad. Well, I mean, you can make jerky out of anything, so. Jerky That's, doesn't even count. It doesn't really count as a meat experience, does it? Because it's just No, like, you could take an old leather shoe and make a jerky out of it and make it edible, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just put a little teriyaki flavor on it and you're good to go. <laughs> well, well, Donna, I, you know, the, the, the big bear meat distributors of the world are never going to sponsor our podcast now. You didn't really do a good job of selling it to me. Are there any big bear meat distributors? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I always thought it was the kind of thing that just lands on your plate because a relative shot one. You know, they're like, here, eat this. It's good. <laughs> no, you just wanted to shoot a bear. <laughs> yeah. So bear meat from the couple of guys that I know that have shot and killed legally and eaten bear. Yeah, yeah. Bear meat, according to them, is you know, kind of like, well, you're not really missing much. So yeah. if they don't like it, then I'm probably not going to like it. Yeah. So yeah. I'll pass. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to, I'm going to hard pass too. I'm going to, and I've had it, so. Eh. Well, yeah, you've actually had experience with it. I've never had it. And I'm like, eh, no. That's so amazing that it's not in your food box because everything's in your food box. <laughs> 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 well, when some old redneck that has eaten bear says, eh, bear's not that great, then I, I'll take his word for it. Oh, my goodness. Let's lighten things up a little bit. Donna? Yes? Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Um, yeah. Usually. I think it's a little bit empty today. There's some stuff rattling around in there, but I'm not sure how useful it is, so... Well, we'll find out. Let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. 
Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Do it, please. Okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different this week. Because it's always been my, my kind of lifelong dream to do a little bit of stand-up comedy. And bears kind of lend themselves to a lot of jokes. They're the punchlines to a lot of jokes because they're just big, funny bears, right? So I'm gonna do some I'm gonna do some stupid bear jokes that you can take with you to work or school or wherever. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna create a little uh, a little comedy club ambiance here. Okay. And uh, w- would you do me a favor? Sure. Could you introduce me to the stage? Sure. Sure, I'll do that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the Varmint stage right under the center spotlight is Mr. Paul Chomo. He's going to give us a couple of minutes of comedy bronze today. Welcome him in, everybody. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. (laughs) Uh, Good good to be with you here tonight. Hey, I got a few jokes for you. So uh, Chuck Norris has a bear rug in his living room. It's not dead or anything. It's just too scared to move. <laughs> what do you call a bear with no teeth? Uh, I don't know. A gummy bear. <laughs> what do you call bears with no ears? I don't know. Bees. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> A bear walks into a bar and says to the bartender, I'll have a pint of beer and a packet of peanuts. And the bartender says, why the big paws? And the bear says, I don't know. I was just born with them. (laughs) In light of the rising frequency of human grizzly bear attacks, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources advising hikers, hunters, and fishermen to take extra precautions to keep alert of bears while in the field. They say that they advise the outdoorsmen to wear noisy little bells on their clothing so as to not startle the bears that aren't, aren't expecting them. And they also tell the outdoorsmen to carry pepper spray with them in case of an encounter with a bear. It's also a good idea to watch out for fresh signs of bear activity. Outdoorsmen should recognize the difference between black bear droppings and grizzly droppings. Mm-hmm. Black bear droppings are smaller and contain lots of berries and squirrel fur. Mm-hmm. Grizzly bear droppings are larger, have little bells in it, and smell like pepper. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve and Mark are camping when a bear suddenly comes out and growls. Steve starts putting on his tennis shoes, and Mark says, What are you doing? You can't outrun a bear. And Steve says, I don't have to outru- outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, you've been wonderful. One more joke for you. There once was a kingdom ruled by a giant bear named Shardik, and the only way to become a knight in Shardik's empire was to apply for a personal interview with the bear. But this had its drawbacks. If he liked your audition, you were knighted on the spot. But if you failed, Lord Shardik was quite likely to club your head off of your shoulders with one mighty paw. Even so, there were many applicants, for the peasantry were poor. And if a candidate failed for knighthood, his family received as a consolation prize a valuable sheepdog from the royal kennels, which helped them out tremendously, for truly it is written, for the morning after a terrible night, nothing beats the dog of the bear that hit you. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, waitress. Good night. Thank you, Paul Chomo. Mr. Paul Chomo, everybody, give him a nice hand of applause. I don't think we'll be seeing him again, but it does. Definitely wish him well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think Here's something I've learned from watching comedians over the years. If you hit the stage with, I got a joke for you, you're going to bomb. <laughs> I think I just did. I think I just did. <laughs> I'm alone in my room recording this and I actually have flop sweat. Oh god, that was bad. Okay, let's oh, get let's, let's move on. Crashing on as Vanessa would say. All right, let's talk about viewing etiquette. Um, yes. National Park Service has some advice on, for us on how to view bears when we go to the <laughs> parks. So Does it involve t- wearing bells and pepper spray? No. <laughs> no. So I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you what the viewing etiquette is. So number 1, respect a bear's space. So don't get close to them. Don't no get problem. close to them. Don't get close to them. I don't know how many times to say this. It's a little sink in with people. I have in, been in national parks so many times and seen people approaching wildlife and you're just like, are you actually insane? What is wrong with you? Don't get close to them. Use binoculars and spotting scopes. That can allow you to view bears without getting really close. Never approach, crowd, pursue, or displace a bear. Never. If a bear changes its behavior because of your presence, you're too close. So. Right. And every park may have different distance regulations, so you need to make sure that you know what the rules are for the park that you're in when you go in. Stay in groups and minimize noise and and movement. However, in areas of low visibility or when you're out on the trail, reduce chances of surprise encounters by staying alert and talking calmly to yourself as a human, not another animal. So what they mean is when you're on viewing platforms and stuff, be quiet. If you're hiking, you need to make a, you know, a decent, you don't need to go, you don't need to go marching into the forest singing songs or anything, but just make sure that you're not super quiet so that the bear knows you're there and they can retreat, right? I've seen people be loud in the forest, though, because of bears. I've seen them walk around and march around and go, hey, bear, and sing real loud songs and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you don't need to do that. You just need to make sure you're talking and just being a human, but and they'll, yeah. they'll pretty much leave you alone. You just want Their them... hearing is probably just fine. Yeah, their hearing's real pretty good, so they can hear you coming and they can, yeah. they can, they can leave. Give them a chance to depart from you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Stay on the designated trails whenever possible. Leave orphaned, quote unquote, or sick bears alone. Young animals that appear alone usually have a mother waiting nearby. And never get between a mother and her cub. You right. will die. Just to be very clear, you will die. <laughs> your life is over <laughs> at that point. Just don't. Don't ever right. do it. Leave your pets at home. Give them room to pass. If you are in a situation where bears encounter you, like on a trail, don't run. You just, you let them go by. And you just be as quiet and non-threatening as you possibly can. And I'll, I'll, I'll look at, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Let the bears eat their natural foods. Preventing bears from getting your food. You need to, if you're camping and stuff, you need to learn about the food storage requirements. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but when you're, when you're, go- when you're out there, make sure that you know what you're supposed to do with your food. Because, right. as and, we said... And bears generally do not care about your car windows. No. 
No, if no. they think there's food in there, if they can smell the food, they'll they'll bash into your car and they'll get it. Yeah, coolers are designed to help eliminate smell and stuff so that the bears can't really smell what's going on in there. But you have to make sure that you've got, like, if you get your just styrofoam cooler with that you throw your beer in or whatever, you, shan't, you, can, you can't put sandwiches in that because they can smell right through that. So you just look <laughs> into it and make sure that you've got it right. And remember that you're responsible for your safety and the safety of the wildlife. It's your responsibility to make sure that all of these things take place. The bears yes. are not responsible. You are going into their house. So be very clear about that. Now, um, just as a final note, for safety around bears, what, what should I do if I see a bear? It's an exciting moment, and it's important to remember that bears in parks are wild and can be dangerous, and they can be unpredictable. So you just want to try to avoid death. So first of all, avoid an encounter, which you can do with the viewing etiquette we've talked about. But once you are, once a bear has noticed you and it's paying attention to you, these strategies can help protect yourself and, and prevent the situation from escalating. First, identify yourself. Talk calmly to the bear so it knows you're a human and not a prey animal. Remain still, stand your ground, but slowly wave your arms. Help the bear recognize you as a human. It might come closer or stand on its hind legs to get a better look or smell. A standing bear is usually curious, not threatening. Stay calm. Um, you're going to need new pants later, but just, you know, <laughs> stay calm. Remember that most bears do not want to attack you. They want to be left alone. They may yeah. bluff their way out of an encounter by charging and then turning away at the last second, which would be definitely the most scary thing that will ever happen to you in your life. But, you know, this is the advice. I hope Oof. this never happens to anybody. Bears may also react defensively by woofing, yawning, salivating, growling, snapping their jaws, and laying their ears back. Continue to talk to the bear in low tones. This will help you stay calmer, and it won't be threatening to the bear. A scream or a sudden movement could trigger an attack, so don't ever do that. And never imitate a bear sound or make a high-pitched squeal. Pick up small children immediately. Hike and right. travel in groups. Groups of people are usually noisier and smellier than a single person, and therefore they often become aware of you at greater distances. And because of the cumulative size, groups are also intimidating to them. Make yourself look as large as possible. For example, move to higher ground. Do not allow the bear to access your food. Do not drop your pack, as it can provide protection for your back and prevent a bear from accessing your food. If the bear is stationary, move away slowly and sideways. This allows you to keep an eye on the bear and avoid tripping. And moving sideways is non-threatening to bears. Do not run. But if the bear follows, stop and hold your ground. Bears can run really fast, as we talked about. And like dogs, they will chase fleeing animals. Do not climb a tree. No, definitely don't climb a tree if a black bear is on your tail. And this article says grizzlies can climb as well, so... Um, I would imagine the smaller ones probably can. So, Yeah, what I read is that the grizzlies can climb short distances up trees, and they yeah. only really do it if they have to, but they're yeah. really not. That's not their preferred deal. Yeah, yeah. They'd but... rather just wait at the bottom of the tree for you to come down than climb the tree to get up after you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'd prefer to use these strategies of just getting it to go away if I could, though. 
and I hope this never happens to me. Leave the area or take a detour. If it's impossible, wait until the bear moves away. Always give him an escape route. Be especially cautious if you see a female with cubs. We've talked about that, and I will say it again. You will die if you get between her and her cubs. Bear attacks are rare, and most bears are only interested in protecting their food and cubs or their space, their territory. But being mentally prepared can help you from the most... um, it can help you have the most effective reaction to a situation. Every situation's different, but there are guidelines on how brown bear attacks can differ from black bear attacks. So, and you can help protect others by reporting all bear incidents to a park ranger right away. So if one right. goes into your campground, you need to let the rangers know. This is what to do in attack situations. Yep. This is terrible. If you're attacked by a grizzly bear, leave your pack on and play dead. Lay flat on your stomach with your hands clasped behind your neck. Spread your legs to make it harder for the bear to turn you over. Remain still until the bear leaves the area. Fighting back usually increases the intensity of a grizzly bear attack. However, if it persists, fight back vigorously. Use whatever you have to hit the bear in the face. Wow. Black bears. If you are attacked by a black bear, do not play dead. Try to escape and secure a place such as a car or a building. If escape isn't possible, fight back using any object available. Concentrate your kicks and blows to the bear's face and muzzle. If any bear attacks you or in your tent or stalks you and then attacks, do not play dead. Fight back. This kind of attack is very rare, but it can be serious and because it often means the bear is looking for food and sees you as prey. So those are extremely rare incidences, but... You know, go all over this stuff. If you go into a park where there's bears, you need to re-familiarize yourself with this at the gate when you go in and talk to your children about it and and be safe. Yes. So there is also, there's a few things on the Park Service's website about how to use pepper spray, which is sort of a last, that's sort of a, you really hope you never ever have to do that, but... You would use it the same way you do on a person. Just spray in the eyes and make sure that you're using an EPA-approved product, which is specifically designed to stop aggressive bears. So. Yes. Yep. That's yeah, not fun, and I hate, it's a terrible bummer of a topic, but we want you bar minions to stay safe. Well, the bottom line is that the bear just does not want to have anything to do with you. That's right. Yeah. Did you yeah. see the Canadian thing? The Canadians make the bears go away? Okay, okay, eh? It's time to go, eh? (laughs) You guys go. And they're like, okay, eh? We're leaving. (laughs) Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Varmints Podcast. We do appreciate it. The podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. As always, thank you guys. And by you, the Patreon supporter, we do appreciate you giving a dollar or two to Blazing Caribou Studios every month. Thank you. It's the Rugrat Corner now. If you have a Rugrat that's eight years of age or younger that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So give us a little shout. Yeah. And this week, Layla has something to say about black bears. Hi, Layla. All right, Layla. Tell me about black bears. They actually eat and dig, and and they are actually very big. They uh, hibernate in in the winter time. What do they eat? They eat 
grass and hay, and sometimes they eat bamboos. <laughs> Black bears eat bamboo? Yeah, sometimes. Do they also eat berries and sticks? Yeah, not sticks. No. Only. Yeah. What about fish? Do they eat fish? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anything else about black bears? What are their babies called? Cubs, like other bears. Like other bears. <laughs> and what's your name? Leila. And how old are you? Seven. Did you just turn seven? Yeah, yay, yay, yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Layla. That was awesome. Thanks, Layla. And and thank you to her mom, Emily. Emily is the host of the Story Behind podcast. You just heard that promo a few minutes ago, and she runs E Podcast Productions. If you have a podcast and you're sick of doing editing or you're sick of doing show notes, she can help you out. If you say to yourself, hey, self, I have a great idea for a podcast, but I don't know where to start. She does that, too. She does some consulting, and she can help you get your podcast off the ground. ePodcastProductions.com. So thank you very, very much, Emily, for letting Layla talk to us today. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals and stay away from bears. You will die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. What do you say? Should we go learn about black bears? Does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs>